Welcome to the Peace of Mind Prepared podcast. Please visit peaceofmindprepared.com. Today we have Todd Sepulveda with us. Todd is an educator, a minister, the author of Education After the Collapse, which you can get for free at edthatmatters.com. Todd started prepperwebsite.com in September of 2011, where he shares preparedness articles from around the internet. The Prepper Website podcast is an audio version of some of these articles with Todd's commentary. Todd is very knowledgeable about preparedness, and we are blessed to have him with us here today. Todd, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. How are you doing? How are things by where you're at? You know, things are, um, well, I guess if you if you go out and you are going to the grocery store and you're out and about, it looks like things are back to normal. Um, one of the things that, you know, we've been trying to self-isolate as much as possible. We have people in our family that are uh, a little bit more susceptible to, to illness. So we want to be careful if we have to take care of them. We, we want to be careful not to, uh, you know, have, have uh, COVID or be sick or anything like that, having to go to the hospital or the doctor or whatever. So we've been we've been doing our part and um, which is fine with me. <laughs> I love I, I'm OK with staying at home and, and hanging out here. I'm not one that likes to go out and you know spend a lot of time out there uh, in, the, in the craziness, I guess, if you could say that. But, um, you know, just recently I live in the Houston, Houston area and our uh, the county judge just mandated last night that we sh- we are going to go back to wearing masks. And uh, well, I guess they never really mandated that, but they're they're putting it on businesses here. So businesses have to require all their patrons to wear a mask starting on Monday. And if they don't, they can be fined. So really, the uh, you know, the responsibility has been put on the businesses. But, you know, you can go the I go to the grocery store once a week. We try to be I mean, we've always done that, but we try to be very purposeful. I go in the morning. Um, actually, you know, being a minister, I we've been doing our online services on Sunday mornings, but I'm ready to go by the time church starts. So I go to the store early Sunday morning and where I had been doing that, and there's nobody there. But I, you know, I I have my mask on, I have I have gloves, I have all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of people that are wearing those, and there's some people that are not. So it's just, you know, it's just whatever you, you, you see out there and wherever people are coming from. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that it was just last night that a, a, a new mandate came because I keep getting the impression that, you know, we've, you know, as they said, kind of flattened the curve or whatnot and we're past the peak of it in, in most areas. But is, was there an upsurge in in testing in your area or something that led the judge to make this decision or did yeah. was it just yeah yeah you we have uh confirmed cases are going up in the area um and so you have that in texas it's going up because you know texas is one of the states that opened up kind of early and they, they opened up in stages now they're saying that they're not going to shut down again. And I completely understand that for the for the economy. I mean, we don't want. I think we've already done a lot of damage to the to the economy, and I completely understand that um, that we don't want to shut down like like we had shut down before. Uh, but with opening up, you're going to see the increase in uh, numbers, confirmed cases, and one of the numbers that they keep sharing out are, are the numbers of hospital beds. So recently, the governor. Uh, this this last week shared out how many hospital beds are available and they have stages one through five and we're still at stage one, but the numbers are are, are ticking up. And so we had, um, you know, George Floyd was from Houston. And so they had a big march down here. Uh, it didn't, it didn't get, uh, you know, we didn't see the riots like you see in other parts of the country. Um, you know, there was some, you know, cop cars burned and different things like that, but not the damage that you saw in, in, in other parts. So we had a lot of people protesting, a lot of people in the streets. Um, it's kind of funny, you know, when, when people are, we're, we're locked down and, and, and self-isolating, the minute that the state said, okay, we're going to start opening up, they immediately said, okay, it's like COVID's gone away. And so they went, they started going out and living life, you know, like, like they were used to. So you saw pictures from people on the beach, people at malls, people at 
you know, just doing the regular stuff, although it was only supposed to be 25%, you saw, you know, like almost life going back to normal, like people couldn't handle being in their homes anymore. And so I think because of that, you're going to see the increase in increase in numbers in, in confirmed cases. The thing is, is that a lot of healthy people are out there getting, you know, go, going out and, you know, having their fun and getting getting out of the house because they just felt cooped up. The problem is, is they bring it back and they might have, you know, older, older parents. They might have people in their in their life that are susceptible, have uh, comorbidities. Uh, and so they wind up getting getting sick and having to go to the hospital. So the real the, the big issue and at the very beginning of the whole uh, the covid thing was about flattening the curve for the hospitals. I know it went into a whole bunch of other stuff and we can we could talk about you know, other reasons. Uh, I, I do believe it's been taken over by people who want to do, you know, have their own agendas and things like that. But that was the real reason why there was the, the, that lockdown at the beginning, or at least that's what they were telling us, because they wanted to make sure the hospital beds were available for those who needed them. And so now we're kind of back in that situation again. Hmm. Was there things during this time where you were particularly thankful you had prepared you know whether it was your your backup food or whether it was you know kind of the i know on on your site and podcast you talk about things from handling stress to conflict resolution to you know the the things that come to mind more readily were there particular things that you found helpful during this time well i just from the from the whole covid thing if if you were just focusing on that i think the, you know, having supplies on hand where you didn't have to, you know, freak out that you were, you didn't have any mask or any gloves or things like that. Um, that was stuff that I had already prepared ahead of time. And so I wasn't worried about going to Amazon. Yeah, I've been, I've been watching this over in China since mid-January. And so if you go back, you know, on Prepper website, some of the uh, Amazon links that I was sharing is like, hey, here's, here's a link for nitro gloves. Here's a link for, you know, N95 mask. And so if, if you're paying attention, now is the time to go get that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, real quickly, when we started seeing it blow up, I mean, you couldn't find that stuff anymore. So people were, you know, they're making their own mask and they're doing, you know, makeshift masks and different things like that. Or, or not masks, let me say face coverings, like uh, Dr. John Campbell was talking about. Because, like, you know, some of these things are really are not uh, are not going to really protect you. Um, it's just more, I guess, to, for you to feel safe. And so you uh, you have that. And, and so that you're not coughing and sneezing and, you know, sending germs to other people. But anyway, that was that was the thing that I was glad to, to have, that I didn't have to worry about or stress or, you know, people were asking me, are you are you good with that? You know, even my wife was like, hey, do we do we need to worry about this? I'm like, no, we're, we're in good shape here. And so, yeah, it's one of those things about preparedness is just thinking, thinking ahead about what you might need and and having those things ready, ready to go. Yeah. So you're it's interesting because it's not just about, you know, the the traditional things that we think about when we think about preparedness. But you you also very much promote kind of keeping your eyes open, keeping alert. Do you have sources you go to for news? I know uh, the the peak prosperity guys were following this coronavirus stuff from very early on. And I had, uh, you know, and the company uh, I was working at at the time, you know, we have connections in China. So I, I kind of knew rumblings early on. Are there sources you would direct people to if, you know, so if something that, you know, we wouldn't typically think of preparing for, like a pandemic is coming up, you know, you were you were ahead of the game on the mass because you knew about what was going on in China. Well, I, I do I, I do promote staying aware and not only in your local community. I mean, you need to be aware of what's going on, uh, crime, uh, you know, different things that are going, you know, what what your what the political leaders are doing, all that kind of stuff. But we also need to know. What's going on in our in our you know city, state, nation, and and the world? And we got to be careful because you can become a news junkie and sit in front of the computer for hours on end, and and completely take that in. Uh, there are a couple of things that I do. So one of the the big like the second most popular page on Prepper website 
is the Alt News Hub. And so that stands for Alternative News Hub. And uh, basically, I have a, a lot of feeds from different alternative news sources that, um, that, that are just there. And so it updates automatically. So that has become a really popular page. Actually, people search for that on, on the search engines, and it kicks them over to that. Uh, I guess because I, I talk a lot about it, but uh, it's also valuable to see what other people are doing or saying in the alternative news space. So uh, I, I'm paying attention to that. I, I'm a big proponent of using Twitter, not for social media, not for, you know, um, I mean, I do send articles and things over there to, to bring people over to the website or to the podcast, but that's not the main focus. My main focus for using Twitter, and you'll see if you ever go to Twitter and you, you look at the people that I follow, I'm only following news organizations. So some people get mad because they follow me and you can see it. So they, they follow me, then they unfollow me, then they follow me. And then they'll send me like, Hey, why don't anybody? Well, it's because I don't want my feed, my Twitter feed to be filled up with a bunch of other stuff. I want it. I want to have news. And so I, I found early on that that was a, a great way because all these news organizations are sending things out to, to Twitter and you can stay uh, on top. I mean, Things are, are like in real time happening. Sometimes you get video. Uh, people are using hashtags. I don't know if you remember not too long ago when there was that attempted coup in, in Turkey uh, with Erdogan. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. So as a, as a believer, uh, I know Turkey plays a, a part in in end times prophecy and stuff like that. So I'm always curious about what's happening over there. So uh, I was following that in real time, you know, and, and what was going on because people were tweeting tweeting that out. So uh, I'm a big proponent proponent of uh, looking at the alternative news. And listen, everybody has their own agenda. So you've got to really filter through all of it. The mainstream media has their agenda. Alternative news even has their agenda. You know, people on Twitter has their agenda. And the other the other thing that I really promote is uh, watching and, and listening to Bible prophecy teachers. Um, a couple of the guys that, that I actually, I have uh, an ongoing post that I update on Prepper website. I try to do that every week. It's called the Weekly Watchman. And the reason I do that is because they are looking at uh, issues that are all over the world. And they have such, some of these guys have such a big following that they, people are sending them stuff all the time. So where one person would have, you know, have to sit in front of the computer and try to filter through all this information you know, when when you have that big following like that and they're sending you stuff from all over the world, you're able to see what is happening and, you know, do a little bit more research and you can be a little bit more targeted. So I think I have found a lot of things, a lot of information from Bible prophecy teachers. And even if you are not into the Bible prophecy, even if you're not a believer, I still think that is very useful because you can get news that you're not going to hear. Sometimes not even in the alternative news space. So that's kind of where I, I uh, where I stay informed, you know, using those those three uh, avenues, really. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. I, I lean more post mill. So uh, but I think that what even what you said to, to really any listener, regardless of their take on eschatology, the, the fact that those guys you follow are so connected globally, they have you know, good information that they're getting from people on the ground, probably all around the world. Yeah. Yeah. One of the guys um, that I follow, Jacob Prash, he, a lot of people don't like him because he's very brash when he comes across it and he does come across very brash, but he, he lives in New York. Uh, he lives in England. He travels extensively and they have missionary projects all over the place. And uh, so he's he's sharing out a lot of information from all over the world. John Haller's another guy that I follow that I, I listen to. And, uh, you know, they, they just like I said, they have you know a lot of followers. People are sending them things and uh, they're just connected, like you said. So I think that's that's have has been one of my big promotions lately. Even if you're not a believer, at least listen to them for the news aspect of it. Do, do you see things like as, as the things kind of you're keeping your eye out there now, do you see things uh, that, you, you know, whether it's, oh, there's going to be a, you know, they were talking about a spike of COVID in November or maybe other things kind of uh, unrest in other countries that 
may have, you know, potential effects a few months from now, the way, you know, COVID started in China and then affected us shortly thereafter? I mean, that that remains to be seen, really. Um, there's a lot of fear out there. And like I said earlier, I think there's uh, people out there that are looking at this situation and they have their own agendas. And if they can control people with with this, I think that's, uh, you know, they're, they're going to use that for, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever means. But I, I just, again, I'm back to staying aware of what is going on. Paying attention to China, I think, is a big deal right now. As we're uh, as as we're talking here, Beijing is starting to see a little bit of an increase in in confirmed cases, and so they started to lock down certain certain smaller areas because they were concerned. And when someone says, you know, uh, COVID's not that big of a deal, I go back to this in in January, February, you had China, and think about communist China. China has killed. So many people. I mean, they're the citizens, their citizens serve the state. Right. So it's like if they kill off a whole village, they kill off people. I mean, it's no big deal just as long as the state is in, in good shape. So they thought that this virus was so important to deal with that they closed down a city of 11 million people. I mean, Wuhan has 11 million people in population. It's bigger than New York City. And they completely shut it down and they wrecked their economy. If they would have said, ah, you know what, it's only affecting 1%. We're good with 1%, 1% of 11 million. So, you know, we lose 110,000, no big deal. But they, you know, they didn't see it that way. They, they were concerned enough to lock down a whole city of 11 million people and even more. Wuhan is just one city that they locked down. And they wrecked their economy. I mean, they wrecked their economy. They wrecked, uh, you know, their the global supply shipment and and all of that kind of stuff because of this virus. And so when people say, "Yeah, there's nothing to this," I, I want to say, "Well, let's let's uh, take a step back." And and I know that you know we're looking at numbers and we don't have that high death rate. We're not like at the Spanish flu level or whatever. But let's let's look at this just a little bit more carefully and and take precautions. Let's not go crazy. Let's not lock everybody in their homes, but let's just be smart and use precautions. One of the, um, one of the articles that I, um, I haven't released it as at the time that we're, we're talking here, I'll do it tomorrow, uh, is uh, a video. I did a little bit of a response to a video by Dr. John Campbell. I don't know if you are familiar with him. He's from the UK and he's a retired nursing professor. And he has been talking about COVID since the very beginning and he does a daily a daily video. And this last video that he talked about was just a world update. And he talked about what, you know, he showed video from Pakistan and how, you remember in, in the early days where they were showing when video was coming out of China, they had people like lined up in the hospitals in China. Well, in Pakistan, that's the way it is right now. You got people lined up going into the hospitals on gurneys. And so he was sharing video out about that and just talking about where where things are like Brazil right now is a very big hotspot. Brazil's not even talking about their numbers anymore. And, uh, you know, so you have, you have this virus in, in certain places that is a pretty serious thing. And so I think we, we do need to continue to have uh, eyes on it and, and, you know, be paying attention to what's going to happen in the future and even more so be prepared for it. So if, if things start happening and things start ramping up again, and let's say there is a second wave. People, you know how people are going to respond because we've already seen it in the first wave. We saw what happened to toilet paper and what we happened, what happened to you know to food and all that kind of stuff. And so, if if that happens, then let's go ahead and prepare for it now. Let's not wait for it. Yeah, it's interesting whether people think the response was overblown or where people whatever the the reality is whether the virus is as dangerous as we think or whether the government's going to respond that way regardless of what the virus it's there's still going to be things outside of your control that will affect what's in your grocery store that will affect whether you're you know allowed to uh you know 
do certain things or have access to certain things. So what I, I think it's kind of regardless of people's view of, uh, you know, some if the virus is being overblown in the news or not, you still have to prepare because there's still going to be things that the government does or or the mass hysteria of people do that that you you don't want to be on the wrong end of. You know, you want to have. I mean, that's how I see it. I, you know, I, I think uh, obviously there's virus out there the you know, harming people. And I'm, I'm not a huge fan of some of the decisions that were made in, in the state I'm in or in other states <laughs> to, to try to protect people. But I understand that regardless, uh, you know, being prepared always helps. Definitely. Yeah. And you're right. Uh, you, you can't control how other people are going to respond. You might have the view that, hey, this is not that big of a deal. Everybody calm down. But you've got people out there that are going to freak out and they're going to run to the store. And, you know, down here in, in the Houston area on the Gulf Coast, we know what it's like when a hurricane comes. And, you know, they could be talking about a hurricane for a week. You know, it's coming, it's coming to Houston. It's coming to, it's going to hit Galveston and come right up to Houston. And, you know, no one's doing anything. Uh, no one's responding at all. And then we're like two days away from it and you can't find anything at the grocery store anymore. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's like, don't, don't wait, just be smart and, and prepare anything that you buy in food. If you buy what your family already eats, then all you're doing is just buying ahead of time and you're stocking up a little bit ahead of time. Now, if you're going to go and you're going to buy a lot of MREs and a lot of, you know, long-term food storage, you know, dehydrated food, which I think some of that is good to have. But if you're going to do that, yeah, you're going to waste a lot of money. You might not ever use it. You might put it up in a closet somewhere, but if you're just buying what your family uh, is going to already eat, then you're just eating off of that. And it just means if nothing happens, you just don't have to go to the grocery store the next couple of weeks, you know? And so it's just, I think it's smart to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like what you said there. I mean, I, there's a place for MREs and dried food just so you don't have to think about it for, you know, economic collapse four years from now, as long as you're aware of the dates on your, your things and some of that times sometimes you get a good deal for that and maybe you got MREs with a five year shelf life after four years you just use it for lunches for <laughs> ninety days or whatever then that's that's one thing but just having that stock I mean like you said maybe you know double your grocery list when you go to the store uh, for for a couple weeks or a few weeks and I mean you're you're kind of that ordinary ordinary thinking ahead that it's, it, it's really just common sense i mean that and that's what preparedness boils down to is just common sense and you know a lot of people will say i've been prepping for a long time we just never called it prepping yeah it's just you know that's a, a, a more of a modern word uh in something yeah. that you know we, we like labels um people used to call it survival you know in in uh you know previous previous years but it's just common sense. It's things that you're looking ahead and it boils down to you're taking responsibility for yourself and right. you're taking responsibility for your family. You're not going to let the government or, you know, you don't want to go. I mean, food banks had long, super long lines uh, all over the place because people weren't, you know, they couldn't they couldn't find food or they didn't prepare or they lost their job and they're living paycheck to paycheck. And so now they were like, what do we do? And so, you know, that was one of the things that we, we, you might've saw it on social media, but I don't think the news was really talking about it too much. There's a lot of people, you know, you know, food banks were, were really busy and running out of food during this time, this last, you know, couple, this last season when COVID was at its highest, or at least the, the hysteria of it was. Yeah. Well, it's sad. It's because, you know, if they would have, played that end up a, a little more th than maybe people who still had jobs would have been more prone to donate to neat food banks that needed it. But I don't think they wanted to show the harm that was coming directly from government action. They wanted to focus on making people afraid so that the people ran to the government to do more. But no, it's kind of sad, but that's, that's our American Pravda or whatever they call it. The, our, <laughs> our, uh, 
the government-controlled media, from what it seems. <laughs> if they're not controlled yeah. by the government, they might as well be. Um, <laughs> so, well, yeah, I, yeah, it makes sense. You know, the the uh, it's it's really. I mean, in my mind, it's we're acknowledging that there are things outside of our control and that we want to be less dependent on those things that are outside of our control, whether it's supply chains, governments, uh, grocery stores. And like you said, it's about taking responsibility. Were there, um, just, you know, uh, so someone say someone's new to this, maybe COVID woke them up and, uh, you know, they're, they're listening now cause they're just like looking for, preparedness information not knowing you know if covid's going to come back what are there kind of three things you would you would say these are the three things to prioritize don't go out there buying you know uh survival acts and you know <laughs> or whatever just or maybe it is a what three things would you would you tell someone listening now who's kind of just started off in this to prioritize well, John, I did. I did have survival acts as my number one. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, no, no, you know, it's it's going to go back to. So norm, normally what I would say right now is uh, three things that I would advise beginning preppers to prioritize is you need to have a plan. So you need to look at your current situation. And we you know, th this is not the sexy stuff. I mean, people will start talking about get your bug out bag ready, get your, you know, get, get your, uh, you know, your firearms, get that. And, and I'm not opposed to any of that, but if I was giving someone advice right now, what to do, the first thing is, is I'm going to tell you, you need to plan and you need to look at your situation and you need to don't make decisions out of fear. Look at your situation and, and what's going on. You know, one of the things that I've been doing every time I go to the grocery store is I'm paying attention to what's there and what's not. Um, I, you know, one of the things, you know, like ramen noodles, I mean, that's, that's terrible stuff to eat, but that was completely wiped out. You couldn't find anything like that. Um, um, I was going to say lasagna, but what I'm trying to say is uh, noodles. You couldn't find any kind of noodles like that and spaghetti. You couldn't find the easy to make stuff. And of course, you know, there's still, I, I think where I live, there's an older population as well. There's a lot of the bread making uh, flour and uh, you know, even yeast and stuff like that was hard to find really early on. Uh, eggs and, and milk, that was hard to, uh, to get early on. And then you started seeing it kind of all come back to the point where now I can get everything that I want at my grocery store except for like disinfectant wipes. That's one of the only things that, that they don't seem to have. I, I don't know why. I guess everyone's trying to get those and buy those up. So I think you need to look at your situation. Um, one of the um, one of the things that that I uh, offer for my website is I have a, a an exclusive email group that we communicate through email. And so one of one of the things that I've added to that membership is online meetups. So you know, prep prepping is kind of a lonely thing. So it's it's kind of you know, you want someone to be able to talk to. And so we do this, you know, every other week we get together online and we kind of share out what's going on And different parts of the country have different things going on. I'm actually uh, sharing, sharing that as well uh, here recently in, in a post that I'm sending out. Um, you know, some people like up North, they still can't find soup. And I go back to the thing is like people don't. And the reason I was sharing the whole ramen noodles in, in, spaghetti noodles and all that kind of stuff is because I think people don't know how to cook. And so, yeah. you know, they're, they're looking for the easy stuff because they're not going out to the grocery stores because early on grocery stores were shut down. So they've got to be able to eat. And so they're, they're finding and buying those easy things that they can make. So going back to the three things um, is, is the planning, look at your current situation and go from there. Um, not only the food situation and what's happening there and what you see on the shelves, what you don't see on the shelves, but start looking at your, your finances. I think finances is going to be a big deal as we move forward. If, if, and I don't know if the economy is going to recover. In fact, I keep saying this, I've said this in church. I don't think the genie goes back into the bottle. I, I think we're going to see issues from here on out at different stages, different levels, depending on where you are. 
So if your company is somebody that has been really affected by this, then and you haven't lost your job, you really need to be thinking about your finances and what happens if you lose your job. So that goes back into that planning. What do I need to do? Do I need to save? Do I need to cut back on some of these things? Do I need to get rid of Netflix or cable or uh, stop spending on this or that to be able to put a little bit more money in savings so I can weather uh, a, you know, a storm that, that might be coming up, a financial storm, so I can keep the lights on and I can pay my mortgage or my rent or, or whatever. And so that's why planning is so important. Like I said, it's not sexy, but it's very important to be able to just kind of look at your situation and take it on and look at look at the, the crime situation. Are you in a place where there's been protests and riots? And you think about the people that are in Seattle in the new uh, Chaz, or I think they called it Chad. They're calling it a Chad now or whatever. I don't know what they're calling it. But those people who got, I mean, they're locked in. There's all kinds of stories about happening right there. It's like, if, if those things are going on, you don't want to stay around. Like, hey, let's see what's happening. Let's see what's going on. It's going to be a big party. No, some of those people are locked in there and they're afraid to come out now. So, you know, you've got to be paying attention to all of that and being able to plan and, you know, make a move on those plans. You know, when you have a plan and you've thought it through a little bit, um, even if it's not the very best plan, when fear sets in, you have something to be able to move towards. You don't you don't sit there petrified like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? What do I do? You you know what to do. And that's one reason why we practice and we play and, and we practice over and over again, because it creates that memory muscle. Right. And so when you have those plans, it's not necessarily memory muscle, but you have put those plans inside of your brain. You might even have those written down of what you need to do. Step one, step two, step three. I, you know, this is how I'm going to handle this situation. And it's always better to come from a point of I don't need to use these plans right now so I can really think this through. Maybe I my spouse and I, we, we think this through. We make a good decision as opposed to getting to a point where we have to make a, a very quick and, and rash decision and then we make the wrong one. Yeah, that's that's good. So uh, and you're right, the, the, you know, a lot of the stuff that's that it's it's not sexy you know finances having an emergency fund you're more likely to tap into an emergency fund than you know be in the middle of the woods you know but long before you get to the, where you're trying to live out of a tent in the woods <laughs> you're gonna miss a mortgage payment or something before that or you know need not be able to afford something so that you're right it's not sexy but it's important and i think it's um it's it's good things to think about are there, uh, you know, we you talk about the, you know, the kind of the, the practical things as, as I know you're also a big proponent of skills and that it's not just, you know, having the best bug out bag and, and uh, doesn't and having all the right equipment. If you don't have the skills to do certain things, um, you're going to be at a significant detriment should you have to be in a, you know, sort of situation where maybe, you know, maybe there are riots in your area and you you have to leave and, you know, the gas stations on the road are shut down because of, uh, you know, who knows, protests, whatnot. Um, are there skills that you would prioritize as well? Like step one, everyone should know how to do, you know, this, this, and this kind of thing. <laughs> I'm going to go back to the, it's not sexy thing, right? I, <laughs> I know, you know, people, <clears throat> people want to hear, you know, yeah, build a fire with one match. And, you know, I, I did that in Boy Scouts. That was a thing that we we did in Boy Scouts. Can you start a fire with one match? You know, and, and you know, can you rub two sticks together? Can you, what you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you said it just earlier, just, just a minute ago. You're going to need some of these things way before you you go out and you your life depends on building a fire to stay warm. I mean, I think those are important. Building a fire, you know, knowing how to do that. There's not a lot of people that that do know how to do that. I remember taking my son out camping one time with with Cub Scouts, and uh, I saw some of the leaders using a torch to start uh, to start a fire. And I'm like, "Are you kidding me? I mean, you got a lot of people watching you, and you're starting you're starting a fire with a torch. You know, get down there and learn how to start it with a you know a match or hey, this you know you got a dry 
sunny day, use, use some flint and steel, you know, use a ferro rod, do, you know, show some kids how to do this. But anyway, I, going back to the, it's not sexy thing is going to be the planning that the prioritize that. And then the food storage, because food storage is not, is, is uh, one of those things where you need to put a little bit of thought into it. You know, um, I, I know people that would go to the grocery store every day after work. So like they would leave work, they would stop at the grocery store to buy whatever they're going to buy. And then they would go home and cook it. And that was what they did every single day. So there are going to be some people out there that when we talk about food storage, I mean, it's like, where, where do we even go? That's a skill that you need. Not only that, you need cooking. And so you need to be able to, to know how to cook this food and not just warm it up in a microwave, not just, you know, heat something up, some SpaghettiOs on a, on a, on a stovetop or whatever. But how do you cook? How do you cook if you don't, because everybody needs to eat. How do you cook if you don't have your electricity or it gets turned off and, and not necessarily just this whole COVID thing, but, you know, down here, you know, like I said, in, on the Gulf Coast, we have hurricanes and we have the electricity goes out when we're right in the middle of the storm. And sometimes even days after that, those that are up north have blizzards and encounter some of this stuff. So how are you going to cook if you don't have uh, electricity and, and you have an electric stove or you know, if you have a gas stove, for instance, in the summertime, when we have experienced uh, last time Hurricane Harvey hit, um, it, it, we have a gas stove. So turning on a gas stove to cook is is not something that, you know, we want to do because it's going to heat up the house uh, a lot. And especially when you, the electricity is out, you don't have AC going. So what do you have in means to cook outside? Well, I have a, a barbecue pit, a propane barbecue pit, and one of the sides has a little stovetop. You know, it has a, a burner. So when I needed to make my coffee, I could go out there and I have a, you know, one of those old-fashioned percolators that you just put on the fire, and that's how I had my coffee, you know. Um, if I needed to, to make something, if I needed to cook something, I have that. I also have uh, a cooking stove, a camping stove, that I can put a little small propane uh you know, tank on there if I need to. I also, if I needed to or really needed to, I could cook over my fire pit, you know? And so again, I, I know, I know that again, I'm, I'm going to say it's not sexy. Going back to the planning point of it, prioritize what you think you're going to need for your family. Um, if you, if you need, you know, food or, you know, how are you going to feed your family? How are you going to make sure you have water for your family? And if you need to learn how to use a water filter, if you need to learn how to, um, you know, uh, make water clean so that your family has, uh, or you, not only that, just how to store water, you know, that's a skill. It's just not as simple as just, you know, putting some water in uh, a jar and, and just going from there, you know, doing it right so it doesn't get bacteria and you can wind up uh, having uh, having clean water to drink if the water was to be shut off or whatever. You know, um, the other day, our water pressure went down for no reason. Uh, you know, there was no hurricane. There was no uh, electrical situation. There was no nothing. It's just the water pressure went almost down to nothing. And calling the uh, calling the the, the water uh, department out here, um, I was like, hey, you know, we're experiencing this. And there was an emergency break. Now they were able to fix it, but what if they weren't able to fix it for a couple of days? You know, what, what are you going to, what are you going to do? And so, you know, just thinking through what you need. So one of the things that I would recommend is this, go through this like one day, take one day to do this, wake up in the morning and, and write down what you do and write down what you need it. So it would be something like this. I wake up in the morning I usually my alarm clock goes off, but I don't have any electricity. So what do I need to do? Maybe I have a phone and I'm charging my phone off of a battery bank that I have. Okay. So I wake up. What do I do? I go to the, I go to the restroom. I turn on the light. I don't have light. So what do I do if it's still dark? Well, I have a flashlight. I have a lantern. Okay. I take a shower um, and, and maybe my water is still running. Maybe my water is not. Um, if I don't have my water running, okay, what do I do? Um, 
I need to use a restroom. You know, uh, if my water is running and I use the restroom, what do I do? If I need to brush my teeth, what do I do? All right. And so I get dressed. I, you know, a little hygiene, whatever I do. What's the next step? I, I go eat breakfast. If I don't have my electricity or I don't have my gas or I don't have my propane, what do I do? And so you just start going through your regular day, not your end of the world as we know it, not the zombie apocalypse. Just go through your regular day. And if I'm going through my regular day, what do I need to be able to survive and be able to thrive in that? And so those that do that and spend a little bit of time doing that will be so much better off when there is an emergency situation because they, they've already thought it through. They already know what they're going to do. And, they, and if they don't have what they need, they can go ahead and make those purchases so that they can have those items ready. You know, so maybe it is I don't have water storage. I don't have something, you know, for, for water storage. Well, OK, there's there's different things you can do for that. And so you put that in place. So that's that's where I believe there the priorities need to be. I mean, when you get all that kind of stuff set, then go to the fire, building the fires, go to, you know, uh, you know, making your uh, making a cup out of uh, wood, you know, uh, making, uh, you know, your utensils out of wood and, and, you know, whittling all that stuff down and and, you know, figuring out how to put up a, a shelter, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff outside in the, in, in the woods if you ever were, were there in that kind of situation. And so have those other things first and then move into those other things. There's there's plenty of articles, plenty of YouTube videos. I love watching the YouTube videos where people go out and they spend a, a night out in the woods. Right. And you and sometimes they don't even talk. They're just doing things. And you can learn so much just from watching them I'm like, oh, hey, they did that. Or, hey, that makes sense. Or, you know, I, I, I can just learn a lot from just picking that kind of stuff up. But have this other stuff. Um, put in place first before you move to that. I hope that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that definitely does. And that's really helpful because a lot of people's situations are different. So you got to think, you know, if, if, you know, somebody with, uh, you know, five children is going to have a different day morning routine and throughout the day, different needs than, you know, a single person in an apartment in the city who will have a whole nother set of issues to deal with per perhaps. And, just going through the day, writing things down, really thinking through your own situation. And you're right. It is super attractive to think right away about surviving the woods. And I think part of it is we kind of idealize that situation as, oh, I won't have to have the stress of the office. And <laughs> there's part of you that thinks of it as like, oh, that would be really rough in it. And then there's I think there's part of all of us that thinks like, oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's, you know? it's really it's really romanticized, you know, because yeah. it's, some people think about a camping trip and a really great camping trip that they experience and, and they think, OK, hey, it, it can be that. But you're talking about ex extended time out there. Right. You know, usually that's not fun. Right. Yeah. And, and when it's, you know, a bad day of fishing means you don't eat that night versus a bad day of fishing means you just crack into what you brought. <laughs> There's right different, yeah, different set of stresses. Well, yeah, that was really, really helpful. Um, made a lot, makes a lot of sense, and I think you know helps helps kind of set a, a good mindset. You know, you, I, I want to give you more of a chance now to talk about all the different things that you do as far as prepper website, Ed that matters. I and perhaps this was an older interview. Uh, that I heard you mention this on, but you had you had had a prepper small business website where you help preppers kind of have a. It was almost like a directory of small businesses that you could support if you wanted to to do business with another prep, uh, you know, person in the preparedness community. Um, so if 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 you still have time, I know I've I've kept you for a bit already, but if you still have time, anything you want to talk about as far as what you're doing with your various websites, podcasts, um, we'd love to hear about it. Sure. Well, you know, Prepper website, we post somewhere between eight to 12 articles every single day. And, and that is truly every single day. I think I've missed maybe about four or five days that we didn't post from uh, 2011. 
uh, on forward. And that was because either the site was down because uh, the server, you know, GoDaddy, <laughs> and I, I just completely don't like GoDaddy. So uh, I've moved everything. I've never had that issue before, but there was times where I would go out uh, with my dad to the country and I didn't have uh, internet out there. So uh, I would, I just wouldn't be able to post uh, on those, on those days, but we, uh, we try to post the best preparedness information there. So you can always go there and know that the stuff that we have, uh, you know, shared out, you know, when you go to and do a search on one of the search engines, especially Google, and you type in prepper right now, you're getting new, you know, articles from New York magazine and, you know, all these other places, right. You're getting all these, these things that are not necessarily uh, prepper, prepper websites related. And uh, so it's, it's, um, when you, when you do that, you don't know what you're going to find. But on Prepper website, you know that for the most part, most of those articles are going to be based uh, or they're coming from a website that promotes preparedness or, or it, it's been filtered through. And uh, there are pages there, uh, like I said, the alternative news site um, that I think, uh, you know, that's very popular. Other articles like the, uh, the, the firearms uh, page is very popular as well. We have pages dedicated to frugal living, uh, and like I said, prophecy and even conspiracy theories. If you want to go there, um, you know, yeah. there's a page, there's a page for that as well. If you, if you want to do that. Um, but um, the podcast, we, we started out the podcast. I mean, you mentioned Jack Spirko early on in, in the interview and, and uh, I used to listen to him all the time. One of the things that he mentioned on one of his uh, business uh, business uh, episodes, I guess, was if you're starting a podcast, you really and you're doing it to want, you want it to be successful and you want it to uh, make a living out of it. You've got to do it every day. Well, I, I, I don't necessarily want to make a living off of the website. I like my job. I like what I do. Um, and so that's not the, the purpose. But I did start out doing it every day. So I was doing it five days a week. And I did that for about two years, two and a half years. And I finally got to the point where like, you know what, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time doing this. And so I was kind of feeling it. So I, I went back to, I went to once a week and there's been times where I've done, you know, I've put up two different episodes in a week or whatever, you know, as a kind of like a bonus type thing, but uh, you know, that that's where it's at. And the podcast is based on, so the, one of the reasons why I started it is I'm a big fan of podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time. And I knew that there was a lot of, there's a lot of people out there that are listening to podcasts, but they're not coming to Prepper website. And so in an effort to help people get better prepared, I had the idea of reading articles that I have on Prepper website, reading them on, uh, you know, on a podcast and letting people get that information that way. And, uh, you know, I had a really great response from that. And so uh, there, there are some people are like, yeah, I don't know why you just read articles. You can go read them yourself. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you can do that. But there's a lot of people that that don't. And I've heard from a lot of people over the years. Thank you so much, Todd, because uh, I'm, I'm uh, you know, a mom and I've got kids at home and I can't sit down to uh, to to read. But I can listen to your podcast. And so, you know, I'm greatly, greatly appreciate it. People that are on the road, you know, all of that kind of stuff, right? So um, we do that, and I truly enjoy doing that. Love helping people out. Uh, the reason that I got into preparedness, or yeah, in the first place, was really from a spiritual uh, standpoint. I know that we really didn't talk about that, but um, when back in two thousand, uh, I think it was like two thousand eight, Christmas of two thousand eight. I was, uh, you know, I was an assistant principal on uh, on a campus, and we have, you know, Christmases off, and I always use that time to refocus and to pray and you know look for a theme for the for the next year at church. And when I was doing it uh, that year, I just felt a very strong urgency to talk to people about being prepared. And I really felt the Lord was, was leading me in that direction. Um, most of the time it was like, you know, something positive, something, you know, Hey, 2009, nine, 
I don't know, reasons, you know, whatever, you know, uh, <laughs> God's going to bless you. I mean, that's kind of, you know, crazy there, but uh, something, something along those lines. Um, it was always a, a positive thing, you know, a, a blessed thing. But this time around, it was, hey, tell, tell people that they need to get prepared. And I didn't know where to start. I didn't know where to go. I was completely blown away uh, by, by that because I hadn't experienced something like that before. And so just in other things that had happened, I started, I, I think I hit on a article by uh, Lisa Bedford of Survival Mom. And then you know how it goes. You, you hit one website, you start bouncing to other yep. websites. And, and so I started talking about this in church, started talking to this about, uh, about being prepared with, with family and, and different things like that. And then I realized like one day, and I was, I'm a big user of RSS feeds and uh, you know, putting everything in one place so I can easily go to. But I realized I was talking to like my dad. And my dad was like, yeah, I went to this website. I went to this website. He was jumping around. And I'm like, you know what? It'd be really good to have all these great articles in one place so people wouldn't have to jump around. And that's that's where the idea for Prepper website came up. And so really, I, I do it from I'm, I'm not into it to make a whole lot of money. I want to pay the bills. I want to I want to be able to uh, the things the money that I have earned has allowed me to do different things like try out different websites like the small business, the prepper small business website and, and do things like that out there, help other people out. It has helped me. You know, I came to that conclusion. Um, You would have thought that you would have, it would have snapped. I would have snapped to it a long time ago, but probably in about the last three or four years, I realized that having prepper website and the little money that I was gathering from it allowed me to prep my family without getting to getting into our own family budget. And so I, I was better prepared because I had this other stream of income coming in. And I've really been a big proponent of that recently, where I think preppers need to have other streams of income coming in. So what could you do if you had an extra $50 a month coming in or an extra $100 a month? What would that mean to paying down debt, uh, creating an emergency fund or or buying preps, even if that was, you know, adding to your food storage, what would that do? What would that do if you were making $50 a week? You know, how would that change your your preparedness? And so I understand, you know, we work, we work hard, we come home, we want to veg in front of the television and we want to do all that kind of stuff. But if you were to take a little bit of that time and focus it on some kind of side business, side hustle, micro biz, then you're able to bring in a little bit of money for your family. And I think in this current situation, I think that makes a lot of sense. Moving forward, we don't know where the economy is going. We don't know where jobs are going to be at. But if you can bring in money, there's still people spending money. There's still people with money. Uh, if you can bring in money then and help your family out, I think that is a true blessing. So I've been a very big proponent of having a micro biz. Um, uh, and and doing that and so you know prepper website I've got Ed that matters is a a website where I was posting uh, my own stuff and then recently I've kind of moved from that to uh, publishing when people send me guest posts because I get I get one to two emails every single every single day about people wanting to guest post on prepper website and so I, I have this canned. Uh, response that I send them, you know, because a lot of it's just junk and people just want to very low level stuff. And I just, you know, I send them a canned response. I'm like, look, if you're willing to put in a little bit of effort to send me a good article, I will post it on Ed that matters. And then I'll link to it over on prepper website. But uh, recently I started another website called prepared Christians because I'm, I'm at a point right now where I think that need that really need. I've always, I've always said that, that I've been a Christian and people when I've ever, um, of course I'm a Christian, I'm a minister. Um, but I, I've been very vocal about that in the past on, in articles and stuff and people, and even on the podcast and people will send uh, email or they will leave a comment. If you continue talking about, you know, this little fairy tale person up in the sky, then I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop reading you. I'm going to stop coming to prepper website. And my response is go for it. 
go somewhere else. <laughs> right. You know? And I'm like, I, I'm not going to, st- I'm not going to stop this. This is part of uh, part of it. You know, I got into preparedness because I felt the Lord was leading me there. So um, I started prepared Christians to be, uh, to talk about preparedness, but also preparedness from a Christian standpoint. There's a lot of Christians, a, a lot of preppers out there who are Christians that when the poop hits the fan, they're going to turn into Rambo and bring out the AR-15s and it's the end of the world as we know it. The problem is, is that Christians, we don't, because it's the end of the world as we know it, or the poop has hit the fan, we don't change who we are in Christ because of that. So, you know, that there's this this big understanding that needs to happen. Um, so it's like, okay, you know, everything collapses. So we, we forget that we're a Christian and we become, you know, Rambo prepper. And, you know, that, that doesn't need to happen. And so I focus a lot of that over there um, as well as preparedness. And I do that on purpose as well, because some of the social medias like Facebook and Instagram blocked prepper website for many, many months. So when you try to post to any article uh, from prepper website, you were, it's like, it said, this goes against community standards. And I was like, okay, you know, and I was just getting so frustrated with that. Uh, I'm not a very big proponent of social media. I say use it to uh, to promote the gospel, use it to promote preparedness, but don't base your your whole uh, life and business or, or whatever on it. Be very careful about what you share. And so um, I started prepared Christians so that I can share out articles and stuff like that and get it get it out there. And then they they opened up Prepper website again, so I still I can share stuff out again. But that's just it's just a you know temporary and uh, until until they shut it down. So uh, you know a lot of a lot of stuff out there that uh, it's it's something that I love to do, um, and I just continue doing it until I feel the Lord telling me to, to stop or to slow down. And um, I think. I don't know if that's going to stop, stop though, because we're in a in a time where we need to really share uh, preparedness, but also more importantly, share the gospel out there more than ever. And so, um, if we can do that, I think that's uh, the big blessing there. Yeah, and you know, why don't you, uh, you know, it's kind of take a take a minute before we sign off, and uh, maybe a speak to some of those listeners who, who aren't Christians and let them know what repentance and faith in Christ looks like, what, what Christ did accomplish. And uh, I think that'd be a great way to close out the show if you still have a few minutes. Sounds good. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. So here's, here's the thing. Our life is payable on death. At some point, you have to answer for your, for your life. Now, some people don't want to believe that and they say, hey, that's your belief and that's fine. But I want to ask you, if you are listening and you're not a believer, what if you're wrong and what if that is right? And you do have to answer. And so what the Bible says is there's there's only two paths that, that we're going to experience when we either die or when Jesus comes back. And that's either go to heaven or go to hell. And the fact is, is that the way that God set up the world, he did it because he loves people and he set it up right from the beginning. So in Genesis, he set up this perfect world where man got to come in and and he was there with Adam and Eve. They got to uh, be in the garden. They got to cultivate it. They they got to live in this great, uh, this great place. And Satan comes immediately and he hates everything that God does. And he tempts the the woman and she lets Adam know that, hey, everything is going to be fine if you eat of the fruit. And immediately they realize that they were naked. Immediately they realize that there was sin in their life. So God comes down and I think this is great. God comes down and he's looking for him like, hey, God knows everything. He's like, hey, where are you guys at? And you're like, we were afraid because we were naked. And immediately God's like, you know, God, God knows everything. He already knew. He goes like, uh, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the fruit? I'm like, yeah. So God, you know, God at that point makes a covering for them. And he puts in plan a motion to redeem people, to redeem people, to, to bring them back to that relationship 
where he was face to face, where we were face to face with him in in the garden, in the in the cool of the day, like he was, you know, like Genesis says that he was walking in the cool of the day. And we see in the Bible all throughout the Old Testament and, and into the New Testament that God's plan was in effect. And we see it revealed a little bit more at a time as we go until we finally realize that Jesus came to die on the cross so that, you know, we can be forgiven of our sins. So we have this sin on the inside of us. And if you don't want to believe that, that's fine. That is completely up to you. But if you do realize, hey, we are sinners, there needs to be something that needs to happen. So you can live with that sin and you can keep that with you and, and deal with it. Or you can give that to the Lord and repent of it. You now, repentance means that you, there's a turning away, a turning around, you know, like a 180 degree turn from that sin. And so when you say, hey, I, I don't want to live this way anymore. I know that I, I can't do this on my own. I know that I need something more in my life. I know that I need a savior. Well, then you're able to, you know, the Bible says in Romans, confess with your uh, mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. And you do that. But then that doesn't, it doesn't stop there either. You, you come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so you ask Jesus to be your Lord and savior and you start living according to his ways. And I think that's where a lot of people miss it is they walk down an aisle at some point and they ask Jesus into their heart and they they feel good. There's an emotional feel good at that point. But then they go back <clears throat> to living their life just the way that, that it always was. And what God's calling us, God's calling us to live a holy life and a set apart life. And so God is calling us to to live under his rule. You know, I know people who always talk about love and love is, uh, it's almost like a Beatles song. Like they're, they're, they're singing this Beatles song. Right. And uh, Jesus said, uh, if you love me, it's like, like, you know, the, and when I say Beatles song, I mean like it's all, all love each other and, and imagine this great world and all this kind of stuff. And what Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to obey my commands. And that is that is the uh, the response, right? It's like, hey, I love you, Jesus. I'm going to obey your commands, the commands that we find in the Word. Um, I always tell people that let's just go beyond just the repentance and asking Jesus into your heart, and and realizing that <clears throat> after this, <clears throat> excuse me, after this this world, after after everything is said and done. Uh, we are we are with them, right? And we we want to be there uh, in heaven with them face to face. But there is this this aspect of we want to make sure that we are living the separated life unto Him, this holy life. And it really there's not that much to it other than allowing Him to be the Lord of your life. Now, for some people, that's a big big change. But when you realize what he's done for you and what that means, then there's no there's no other way that you want to live, no other place that you want to be. And so I would encourage anyone who is uh, listening right now who is not a believer, take a little bit of time to search it out. And if you if you haven't, if you haven't read the Bible, you know, go read the book of John and, uh, you know, go search it out a little bit. Maybe you even pray and, and close your eyes and say, God, if you're real, show me, you know, show, reveal yourself to me and let him let him show you that he is there and you would be blown away. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm speaking to Christians right here. There's this aspect of we need to live that holy life. Um, Christians look a lot. And I know I know you said talk about repentance, but I want to go here just really quickly. Um, Christian Christians look so much like the world right now, and there's no difference. And we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be uh, separated. And so, where the world looks at us and say, you know, hey, I don't, I, I, I see the life that you're living. That might not be for me, but that's, uh, I see what you're doing, and and I applaud your, uh, your steadfastness to live in that way. And then 
when life gets crazy for them and they're looking for answers and maybe it's COVID, maybe it's a financial uh, situation, maybe it's a health uh, situation and they're saying, I, I need some help. I don't know where to turn. I don't know where to go to. They look to those Christians that have been living that life that is so different from the world and say, hey, so tell me a little bit about why you believe what you, why you believe what you believe. And that opens up that uh that avenue to be able to share the gospel. So I, I think we're living in a world right now where people need to understand what's happening and need to make a decision for, you know, the way they want to live and, and go from there. So hopefully that, uh, that helps there as we, uh, as we're closing out. Yeah, that was, that was fantastic, Todd. It, it reminded me of, especially that part at the end there when in Pilgrim's Progress, how hopeful, comes to faith when when faithful is martyred um how the world is looking in and they see how christians respond to hardship and oftentimes you know your holiness and your your closeness to christ as a believer uh during hard times is is what gets people asking questions like you said and that was um that was a great great finish to a very blessed interview we're really thankful to have you and yeah, have a great rest of your day, Todd. Thank you so much. You've been extremely generous with your time and your knowledge and uh, hope you have a blessed rest of your day. Thanks, John. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the interview. Please visit peaceofmindprepared.com.